This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. Welcome to a life in film. I'm Elliot James Langridge. I'm an actor, writer, and apparently a podcaster. And I love film. This is the podcast that we ask our guests from in front and behind the camera, how did they get their foot in the door? What was the key to unlocking their success? What's their story? Previous guests include Toby Jones, Sam Clement, Natalie Emmanuel, Andrea Riseborough, and Tony Curran, to name a few. From Mulan to playing the iconic Bruce Lee, our guest today is actor Jason Scott Lee. It's a life and fail! How's it going? Uh, good, man. This is, um, I'm going to say straight away, this is a mad one for me because your face I grew up with, you know, <laughs> I, as a kid, um, The Jungle Book was a huge film for me. I remember going down to Blockbuster, renting it out multiple, multiple times. Wow. Um, yeah, and then I, I eventually graduated to Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I was a little bit older then, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just want to say this is a real pleasure. and. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of your work. Cool, thank you, man. <laughs> Are you in? Uh, you're in London. Yeah, yeah, I'm in London. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit miserable here. Are you? You're in LA at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? I guess you're. Are you out there promoting the new movie? Correct. Uh, yeah, we're here. they got the. They're doing a West Coast uh, premiere uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, and then nice. um, yeah, we're gonna let so it run for a while. Cramming it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here till um, Sunday. Oh, very nice. How's it all going with the promotion of the film? I mean, I've I've heard only great things, and I really enjoyed the movie when I watched it. How's how's it all going with the promotion? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, um you know, with any indie, it's it's a struggle because the the campaign is uh you know kind of rocky. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's so there's you know a lot of times not enough money, and and, and you know can't you know you can't get to the venues. Uh, properly and uh, it's just been kind of like up and down but um i think yeah. the reception of the audiences has been fantastic yeah well i have yeah. to say the movie doesn't look like an indie it looks it just looks beautiful um and it it's a really moving film and i really want to get onto that and chat about that um but first can we go back to how it all began for you like how your I, I mean, obviously, you had a couple of really big wins early on in your career, but where, what was the first kind of little job that you had um, and what brought you into the film industry? I think that the first job I remember uh, taking on as a paid actor, because <laughs> there were so many, you know, so many uh, things I like student films that I did you know, uh, in my younger years. And, um, you know, just doing favors and things and, and uh, stuff like that. But I, what I remember vividly was uh, getting a part on Cheech Marin's Born in East L.A. Uh, back in the late 80s. And um, that was just an incredible highlight, you know, as a young actor and getting be a part of, you know, I, I grew up on uh, Up in Smoke and, and Cheech and Chong films. And and so it was kind of like, wow, you know, I was in awe of um, being around him, around Cheech and and, mm-hmm. and just his work ethic and uh, and seeing his, uh, you know, his cultural uh uh, aspects about you know what he is and who he is and and all that so that that was you know that was an eye-opener because he had such international um notoriety at that time so a lot of his film crew that he brought on like makeup artists and costumes were all european we're all like from amsterdam or some you know other uh, european country and so that was kind of like an interesting mix for a young i think what it was i like maybe 19 or something like mm. that Wow. And, uh, 
19 yeah. so you you know very i mean you'd obviously done like as you say short films and things like that before that but going on to a set where there's a little bit more at stake do you remember what that was like do you remember the kind of was there pressure there oh um well not so much with chicha's movie i mean you, you know it's all this stuff you learn in like acting workshop or you know acting study and it's like and then it just gets blown out of the water because it's like <laughs> you're, just, you're just fitting into the, the program you know and it's like okay you just do what you know um but i think the 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 bigger challenge um for me as an actor was when i uh was cast in map of the human heart um that was a vincent ward film and um that was one that like again took me into an international arena of uh, actors and filmmakers and uh, producers and um, but that challenged me to find the range because the character uh, in the picture had to age um, pretty dramatically so that that was something that was like you know really um, uh, rewarding I guess Um, Mm. and just being being in 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 really um, foreign territory up in the Canadian Arctic and the weather and the, the, the rough country. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing. It's like very, so adventurous mm. and it kind of like goes along with, with kind of my spirited nature. So I was like, you know, really sucking it all up. And it yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah. You know, that was like so juicy. Um, and just to be, you know, have my, that was my first, um, leading role leading man role in in a film in a feature so mm. you know that again was a a big milestone for me mm, mm. and and you say obviously getting used to the climate and being where you know where you were filming there in the rough terrain you am i right in saying you were born in la but you grew up in hawaii correct yeah okay good i, I got it the right way around <laughs> yeah no my 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 both my parents uh were from hawaii originally grew mm. up uh, born and raised and uh, found themselves in Los Angeles, um, and I was the third child uh, in their family. And, and my father was like, you know, I really wanted you, you kids to be raised back in the islands where he grew up, so he could do all the things, his hobbies and stuff that he enjoyed doing, and and share it with us. And also, you know, we have all our family uh, relatives and stuff back there, so um, that was a, the thing that motivated. And I was two years old. So I, I remember very little of, of Los Angeles uh, and then you know, just growing up and, and growing up an island kid, you know, really like going to the beach. I remember just, you know, having a 10 cents, you know, a dime and uh, dropping in the bus and me and my buddies, when I think we were like eight, nine years old, jumping on the bus, going to the beach all day, just spending like 12 hours a day at the beach and then jumping back on the bus, dropping the dime and like cost us 20 cents for the day, you know, (laughs) and that was like just the bomb. I mean, that was, that was the best, you know, it was like that freedom. That sounds uh, amazing. (laughs) You know, and just, uh, we, we had like, you know, they had these little food trucks back then that were like little uh, Asian food trucks that would sell these, um, chashu bao and like, uh, these fried noodles. And, you know, that was, like, that was like quarter, you know, it was like, so it didn't, you know, back in those days, you know, raising, being raised in Hawaii was really free. You know, we had that kind of sensibility and, um, and, and, you know, just, you didn't need a lot of money to, to be happy. You know, you know, I always remember those days and, you know, it's like kind of like the direction I took my life afterwards, <laughs> even with all the, the Hollywood and the, the LA stuff, you know, the, the film stuff, but. It always stayed at the core of my heart, really. Yeah, I mean that sounds incredible. Did how long did you live there? What was the what age were you when you went returned to LA? Uh, right around nineteen years old. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So you were there. You were there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I was in. I was in LA. For, uh, I, yeah, I raised in Hawaii and then um, went to LA and I lived in Los Angeles for about eight years. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I initially went. I had a. You know, I, I don't know what other people call it, but we had what we call Calabash cousins and right. a Calabash uncle and, you know, Calabash is a bowl and it's like, you know, extended uh, friends of my parents who, um, you know, felt like uncles and aunties, but no, no blood relation. And um, uh, one of my uh, Calabash uncles, um, he had a son and uh, he, I went over, he said, oh, why don't you come over and for a holiday? 
And I said, okay. I was like, I saved up all my pennies and my dollars from doing busboy work at a, um, um, a Tony Roma's rib shop. And, um, I went over there and then, uh, spent like, I, th I thought it was only going to be like maybe a couple weeks. And he says, uh, if you're comfortable, man, just stay longer. So I stand, ended up three weeks altogether. It was like two months I was gone and I don't know where I got the money to stay that long, but, um, uh, I, I ended up, uh, he said, oh, you know, why don't you just stay and go, go to classes out here? Like, you know, continue your school. And I said, that's a great idea. And so I, it, it um, we were in Fullerton, California, uh, which is Orange County, just outside of the county, outside of LA County. And um, he, he helped me get enrolled in Fullerton Junior College. And I had to pay this high tuition because I was out of state. And um, I, I called my parents and said, I'm going to go to school here. And they, they completely shut me down. They said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, as so long as you're continuing your education, it's cool. So I went back to Hawaii for a week, collected all my belongings, emptied my little, small, little bank account. <laughs> and I took everything and I went and I, I had a you know roof over my head because my my Calabash cousins and stuff. And, um, and I just went to school for the first couple of semesters. And the first semester, I took a, a stage acting class as an elective, of course, at, 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 with the you know, liberal arts, you know, kind of thing. And then the second year, I took a, acting for the camera class, which was run by this uh, gentleman named Sal Romeo. And uh, Sal Romeo said, oh, you know, I think you got a lot of potential. You know, it's like I'm going to be starting a small black box theater up in Los Angeles in the Hollywood area. I said, he says, you're, you're welcome to come. I would love to have you, you know, like be a part of it. So I, 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 I had a car I bought, a junky car, like a 1967 Volkswagen Beetle. And I uh, paid 500 bucks for it. And my Calabash cousin helped me bodywork it, sand it, prime it, paint it, you know, get it tuned up. And I drove that rickety car, mm -hmm. like, all the way up to Hollywood from Orange County, which was like a good hour, sometimes hour and a half drive one way. And... Uh, and in, in, if you know Volkswagen Beetles, they have this thing where the radio goes in, this little <laughs> space. And I didn't have any money to, to, to you know, uh, buy a radio or anything. So that was my air conditioning. So when I would drive, <laughs> the wind would come through this little opening in the, in the dash. And it was just like, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. and the whole way, it was just like going like this, you know, on the freeway. <laughs> and uh, it was just, I remember this so vividly. It's so classic, you know, it's mm. just one of those things like a young actor just like, you know, struggling and just, you know, making his way up to some acting workshops, you know, and it would, mm. you know, it didn't matter like what the distance was. It was like, I was kind of like, I want to do this, you know, the, the drive and, and the, the the desire to to be a part of that, that little um, theater community, you know, in, in Los Angeles. And I remember um, quite a, quite a few notable actors now would, would come through the workshops and we were all like, you know, doing scene work and stuff like that. So I, I remember like Mike, Mark Ruffalo was there and like Benicio Del Toro came. He was there for a little while, you know, and, and I guess, you know, Sal Romeo was, 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 you know, pretty popular with, you know, a lot of actors. They kind of, everyone talks. It's a small community mm -hmm. back then. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. I love hearing stories like that of, you know, people like you, where you see you on the screen and you can't imagine a time where you were in a rickety old, you know, car with no radio. And it's, yeah. it's good to hear. I'm, I'm an actor as well. And um, I'm, you know, I'm not driving in a rickety old car. I've been doing it a few years, but it's those moments where you think, God, it starts so different to hopefully what it will become. Um, and your, your first couple of steps, I mean, one of your pretty early on, um, you had a small role in, in Back to the Future 2, which, I mean, what, what, obviously the first one had come out. So when you got the ro that role, were you like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in Back to the Future 2. Was that kind of a big moment? Yeah, because, yeah, absolutely. That was huge um, <laughs> because I knew it was, it was a big film. You know, it was Robert Zemeckis and he had already made a name for himself. And, and Back to the Future, the, the first segment was, was, was such a big, huge hit. So like to be involved with, you know, uh, the sequel, sequel and like just I knew I was like, this is something really interesting, really big, because nobody was doing using that technology of what Zemeckis was using at the time. I mean, I, I, I never been on a place with such giant green screens, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, 
and all that. And then the stuff that they, they use when I saw little bits and pieces that were um, edited together and stuff, I was like, wow, this is really, you know, you knew you were a part of something innovative mm. and um, just, just the, the, you know, projecting the time period um, in the future and seeing what these concept cars look like and seeing, you know, it looked like Tesla's, you know, just, you know, everything looked yeah. like exactly what it is or what they turned out to be as far as engineering and set design and, and, you know, just um, a lot of the props that, that were around. Mm. Um, well, there's even a website could, that, that does, has a list of all the things that are in back to the future that actually became real things. And there's a huge list. So it's amazing. It's they were very on point. Yeah, yeah, amazing. You know, all the, the iPad stuff and the phone thing and the, the shoes that pump up. And, you know, <laughs> there yeah. were so many things that I, as I, you know, and that way we were so exciting to go to work because go to work, you just see all this stuff, all the extras being costumed up and, and the kind of things that they, that they wore in their hair or kind of makeup or, you know, everything across the board was really like, wow, this. I could see that, you know, you're thinking, yeah, I could see that. I could see them, you know, coming up doing that. And um, so that, that, you know, and, and just playing that role and, and having like a little, you know, um, I don't know with, with Zemeckis, you know, it was kind of a thing. I don't know why he made my, my costume the way it was, but it was like a real Japanese influence uh, costume, which I thought was, Oh, that's pretty, you know, um, he was in, inclusive of, of sort of uh, an Asian, you know, um, uh, presence in, mm -hmm. in, in, that, in that small role and um it being in the 1980s as well at that time i mean hopefully things have moved on since there in in terms of like inclusivity and and they're being more open-minded to giving roles to you know every kind of you know it's it's a lot more mixed now um have you found that it's got better or because i because i know that you've um this has been a thing with your career that you've always said that there should be more inclusivity for actors um, from different backgrounds, uh, do, do you think it's improved at all? Or I think I think TV has done a wonderful job of um, you know creating that diversity. Mm. Uh, maybe film has still some you know catching up to do, um, but there there are like themes that they, they they have come up with, like oh it's an Asian theme movie, like like we did with Mulan, or it's an, uh, a Polynesian theme movie, like they're did with Moana or you know so you have you know those kind of that kind of inclusivity um but like um and you see some of it the integration um within features um but like very rare do you see it with Asians on par with uh maybe the other uh, ethnicities um such as you know um maybe the only leading man action stuff is really um, Jackie Chan or, or Jet Li, you know, that the, um, they have a certain uh, thing that they do that mm -hmm. the studio and um, uh, they can capitalize on. So, cause they know exactly what they're going to get, right. They, you, 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 you hire Jackie Chan, that's what you're going to get Jackie Chan mm -hmm. um, and Jet Li stuff. So um, I find that there hasn't been that much uh, work in the sense of, character work and maybe that's that's just an, an influence of of the asian actors themselves mm. maybe there's, there's not you know um abilities i mean um uh benedict wong is one is a big i'm a big fan of his i think he's an incredible character actor of asian descent right and and um i i think he's one of the best as far as you know if we're looking at asian actors um mm. and um you know, there's a there's a there's a handful of, of of us I think that 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 um are willing to take those kind of risks and and you know really become certain uh characters mm -hmm. yeah and yeah I think it has I mean you got more choices now it definitely got more platforms um but yeah I, I think it's getting there I mean I I recently kind of saw that the thing on Netflix um called beef which had like um oh yeah yeah it's great cast and you know and that that's that's like you know moving the needle you know mm -hmm. quite a hundred percent a24 yeah. is very good at just doing really great films series and it doesn't matter 
um, you know, who they cast. It's always brilliant. And as you say, with beef, it's nice to see that all Asian cast. Um, and, you know, some big names, some smaller names, but they're all and it's such a great show. And it just shows you. I mean, why is this taking so long to get here? It's right. It's mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. hopefully there'll be more of that. But I want to say um, that I feel like you in a way, like obviously you mentioned Jackie Chan there and people like that. But you in the 90s, you were leading the way, really, as a as a as a leading man, an Asian leading man. And, and being in films, you know, I mean, I mean, it's incredible. You playing Bruce Lee. I mean, that must have been pretty nerve wracking. Obviously, The Jungle Book and, and doing movies like that big kind of tentpole movies um you know for a company like disney the jungle book did you at the time did it did it kind of dawn you how much of a big deal that was um i you know i i was really just kind of doing my job I, you know i i was excited to be in the business and i maybe i didn't realize how um how good i had it <laughs> because uh you know it was just, you know, being selected for those things. I had a very different, like, perspective, like, choosing projects. Like, like Bruce Lee, of course, was, like, um, not really handed to me. But, I, you know, I, I worked for, you know, getting in the door. But, um, like, and then worked really hard to, you know, really committed myself to make that happen. And then, uh, luckily, it, I felt it came out really, you know, pretty polished. And then, but then, um, you know, with Jungle Book, um, you know, I, I went in, I didn't really have to audition, but I met with the director and we sat down and stuff. And um, and that was the thing that's like, I just wanted to, I wanted to see, you know, people always said, I wanted challenges. You know, people always said, oh, what's the most difficult thing to work with, children and animals? I said, I want to work with animals. Because <laughs> animals, they say, is, is the most difficult. And at the time, they, they, we did a little bit of CGI, but a lot of it was live action. So the director said, it's going to be real animals. I said, awesome. I said, that's what I want. And um, so we did that. And, um, you know, those are the kind of choices. And then I did this other film called Rapa Nui, which, you know, when it was introduced to me by um, Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner's company, um, I thought, awesome. I can explore my Polynesian ancestry, you know, and my, my uh, Polynesian uh, uh, roots. And so it was those kind of things. It was, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a hit or this is going to, you know, and, 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 and maybe very naive in the business sense. But I tell you, just life changing like experiences, you know, I think because of those choices. Um, and I knew like I had it, you know, I, like, OK, I can do certain things, you know, um, and uh, I was looking for the, those challenges like, you know, like after the, the, um, the Bruce Lee film. Um, I was looking for a vehicle, you know, and, and that would um, utilize that skill set, but also take it to the next level, like like be able to contain all that emotion and that drive within, you know, that that what that film was and um, also do the action. So like, you know, an emotionally driven, character driven action picture, um, and, you know, and then I didn't see that happen until like the born identity or something or, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm. And so, I mean, I remember sitting in offices with the, um, you know, heads of studios and stuff. And we were, you know, working over like three picture deals and stuff. And I was trying to explain to them what I want, what I wanted to do. And it was so hard to convey, you know, that because at the time it didn't, it didn't exist. That kind of, the kind of action that, that we see now that that's so, prominent now um even with the with the um daniel craig you know double seven movies you know that yeah, that's the kind yeah. of because that was the action that bruce brought to me when i you know was influenced by by working with his students mm -hmm. um, really like those really short exchanges and, and they're really explosive kind of things and you know some of the a lot of the low kicks and the the um, and even some of the, the stuff they're doing now with jujitsu and stuff in the action. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, I, I was talking about, but that was like the nineties. And um, that was hard to convey. I tell you, man, it's like, and then I see it happening. Right. It was like 15 years later or something. Yeah. Years. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, yeah. Oh. 
I feel like yeah. Hollywood has taken a while to catch up because, I mean, a lot of those things have been done years ago, as you say, like Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, and all these other people. Well, that kind of... Um, and also, Jackie Chan is just so brilliant with bringing humour into it as well and that whole other yeah. section of it. But I mean, if you look at... Yeah, if you look at, like, Enter the Dragon, right? What is what is Bruce in that in that character? He's a he's a spy. He's an agent. He he's he's a he's a double seven with a skill set. He comes from this this background of being the Shaolin Temple, the best the best warrior of of, of the selection, and uh, gets chosen, and he goes undercover, and he goes into the island and infiltrates this thing. It's, it was given to you in the seventies, mm-hmm. but. I, I, you know, I was pushing for for something like that, like a character that would, you know, to create a franchise that would, you know, something like that, uh, and and have that the Orientalism, you know, a little bit, and have that, you know, um, uh, Asiatic, um, you know, kind of like emphasis. But I, it was just hard to, you know, really like. I think everything was so Western, you know, everything had to be Westernized. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, glad well. that it's definitely at least it's going in the right direction and. One of the things about, um, you know, there's a moment in the in the Bruce Lee movie uh, Dragon where um, his first movie comes out and then the whole crowd pick him up and they're like, ah, and they're holding him up. Was there kind of a moment for you when you went to see yourself on the screen playing Bruce Lee? And, you know, I'm sure that you took your friends and family to the premiere and everything else. And there you are on the big screen as the lead as Bruce Lee. Was there a moment like that where everyone was kind of like, oh, my God, you've 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 made it you've done it you're there you are yeah it's a funny thing you know it's like that was those moments are never the moments the <laughs> moment you know you know what i mean it's uh, the moment though it, it's in the the process and after the process is done mm. the feeling that you had like during the process of making it that's like the 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 winning ticket you know that's that's the elation i think that you feel and then all this time passes by before the film gets released so like i was already down in easter island on rapa nui i was already down there filming and you know they were releasing dragon in in the man chinese or whatever the theater is called now in hollywood and they had to fly me with kevin costner's plane and to arrive to to be in LA, uh, Hollywood for like, I like four days or something and three, three or four days. And then I flew back to Easter Island. And that was such a shock because I was in a completely different world. I was in Easter Island, which the population was at the time was like maybe 3000 people and just total isolation and then get thrust right into like Hollywood and the, you know, a major city with all this, you know, cameras and lights and stuff, and then get transported back to this isolation. So it was like, it was exciting, but it was, I would have to say almost anticlimactic in a way, because because the film affected me so much so that I carried with me all of that intensity, all of that um, Mm. uh, dynamics of that character, because I, you know, that, and, and I, and, and, and so it was like, yeah, that's that, but it's like you still feel it, you know, you still feel that it's alive. Instead of you know what I'm saying, it's not mm-hmm. one moment that you feel it vibrating with you the entire yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, I mean there's there's moments where if I've if I've done a movie and I'm really nervous, like you know, the first time you see something you're in and you're watching it and you're there almost almost saying the lines like you can change them it's too late right right yeah you're, you're a bit disconnected because you're really like kind of like you know really highly critical or judgmental about every aspect and you know like, like i was that with that with dragon i was like oh yeah that could have been that could have happened just a hair beat sooner you know that that line could have done the, the, the angle of the head a little bit on this way you know it's like you're just like you can be nitpicky you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. which is terrible, but, but, you know, you don't enjoy the ah, perfectionist. Yeah. That's, you know, that's <laughs> calm, isn't it? <laughs> now for a quick break. Are you a writer and director, actor, costume designer, perhaps makeup artist? Are you interested in camera? This is the place to show your journey. We want to hear from you. How did you start your career? Has it started yet? 
and perhaps if you're feeling brave, share with us your most embarrassing film-related moment. So slip into our DMs at Life in Film Pod on Instagram. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life in film, where you'll get episodes early and uncut amongst other treats. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a positive rating. Add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Life in Film Pod and find our video episodes on YouTube by searching Elliot James Language Life in Film. Essentially, please like and subscribe everything. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you work in the film industry? Are you freelance? Or perhaps you have a nine to five? No matter what you do, mental health affects us all. I struggled early on in my career with the uncertainty of if and when I would ever work again, struggling to pay my bills or simply with anxiety. Don't know about you, but being an actor, it's very important for me to maintain structure in the downtimes. And I found not only exercise, but talking to someone for me was a game changer. And so Life in Film has partnered with BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs, and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. And back to the show. Did, I mean, I have to ask about the training for that. I, am I right in thinking that you you didn't have any sort of martial arts background before you did that film, but you had dance yeah, background? I, no, I, I, I was very athletic. In, in high school and, and growing up and you know growing when you grow up around nature you grow up around in you know in the waves and stuff you're you, mm. you're pretty solid you know physically um you're strong but um I had I when I came to LA in the early days I I, I you know of course you don't have any money so I, I would I find these like little tai chi workshops that this older Chinese man Marshall Ho was putting on in Griffith Park you know and on Saturdays I think it was Saturdays or Sundays he'd just go out there and, and everybody would come and it was free, you know? So you just, he just does his thing. And you just kind of copy him. And then on the side, he had these little videotapes. And I, so I bought a videotape and I started copying, you know, some of the movements that they taught in the videotape. So the, the extent of my, well, not so much combative martial arts, but, but martial arts uh, for meditation, for, for centering was Tai Chi. Um, you know, although it's like the blind leading the blind, I, you know, I didn't have a teacher. So I just kind of like going along with the motions and I felt something. I felt a certain, you know, a tingle, a buzz, you know, a grounding doing that. And then um, when I got the Bruce Lee film and they wanted to train, it's like we did the screen test first. Right. So um, this this uh, stunt choreographer and, and, and stuntman, um, uh, Steve Lambert, he came in. And uh, he was assigned by uh, Rob Cohen uh, to train with me for the screen test. And we worked for a while and um, I wasn't feeling like the Bruce thing because Steve had a different way of training. It, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel um, inclusive of what Bruce was or what I saw Bruce as mm. um, growing up watching his films. Um, so I was very kind of like confused and I actually kind of had an emotional breakdown because like, I, I felt like I wasn't going in the right direction and, and this screen test was coming up. And so like for a week, I just kind of like had to shut down for a while. And um, I think it's what, what a lot of athletes nowadays are saying that, you know, the, they have this uh, uh, issues, yeah, with, with mm. performance. And uh, wow, so, so it's like that. Really, that so it really affected you, and that was before you even, you know, started. Yeah, you know, started actually filming. Yeah. And got the role. So, so, you know, it was a lot of, you know, I was working out, it was like doing, you know, like exercising things, and and um, then um, I think Linda Lee called um, Rob Cohen's office, said, "Oh, who's training Jason?" And uh, he said, "Oh, we have this guy Steve Lambert working with him." Where you go? And she said, "Do you think Steve could drive him?" And take him to these students of Bruce. They want to meet Jason. 
And so I, I he said, okay. And so, so he took me to like, I think like five of the old, old timer, old, old, the old school guys. And uh, I think Danny Nosanto and then uh, uh, Ted Wong, uh, uh, yeah, and a bunch of others. But, and then we ended up at this guy's apartment. His name was Jerry Poteet. And Jerry Poteet um, said, oh, what do you know? How many, what are they teaching you? I said, I don't know. They're teaching me to like dance around and stuff. He goes, what? And he goes, I'll show you what, I'll show you the, what Bruce taught us. This was the first, what they call energy training that Bruce taught. And so he did this thing and it's, we call it a paksao lapsao. So right. it's basically, yeah, basically a forward thrusting hand that hits an obstacle and then reverses its, you know, and, and takes that, and it takes that resistance and reverses it. And like, and then he grabs your wrist like that and like locks it and your arm goes like that. And, <laughs> and it's like, wow and he and he did it just like so spontaneous and so and he just jerked me on like involuntarily and i was like oh my god i said that's what bruce did that's why you see those guys in the movie you know he's not he, he can do it in certain degrees so he can do it with such finesse that that it, you know there's this dynamic involuntary motion that is stunt guys that are there that happens and uh and I said, wow, I said, can you teach me that? And I said, and he goes, um, well, we're going to have to talk about that. I said, oh, and I said, I said, okay. I said, well, I know one thing. No one has showed me that. And no one has introduced, made me feel that. And I said, I need you because if I don't work with someone of your caliber, I said, I'm going to fail. And I knew, I was like, you know, I, 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 that's the closest thing um, mm. to the real thing. And um, he said, I said, I can I ask you three questions? He said, yeah, go ahead. I said, was Bruce a young master of sorts? He goes, oh, absolutely, yes. And I said, was he a real fighter? Could he really like, you know, dish it out? He goes, oh, for sure. And I said, okay. And I said, third question, can you teach me that? <laughs> and he said, he goes, okay. He goes, Let, let's, you know, talk with Rob and, and, and um, you know, get on a program. And um, yeah, he goes, just, you're just listen, listen to what I say, just follow, follow my lead. I said, absolutely, let's go, let's do it. And um, from then on, it was like, you know, I was like, I, I really um, felt like he took me under his wing and he really wanted to um, honor Bruce for what Bruce gave him. Mm -hmm. um, and he, Bruce gave him a lot. And I think Bruce influenced people that way. He like changed their world upside down and it made them see it in a different light. And um, I think that's, you know, that's Jerry felt very honored to have, be able to pass this knowledge down mm. and uh, the whole uh, essence of what what Bruce was uh, uh, emulating. Mm. Well, I think it's testament to the movie that I don't know, maybe it has been done since, but it certainly hasn't been done as successfully since um, since you played Bruce. And it's it's one of those movies that I really kind of remember from my childhood and I just I love it it's up there with you know well the jungle book is one of my other favorites as well so like that um the the training for that just sounds insane and and obviously yeah, the we, shape you were in is nuts <laughs> yeah we had and we had we had a lot of conflict too you know we had conflict because Rob Cohen had this had this idea that um the place where Bruce wanted to take his fight choreography in films was kind of towards more towards this uh, Jackie Chan esque kind of like um, um, choreography, where it's like fighting for like minutes and minutes and minutes. Da, 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 da. And um, Jerry was saying no. Said so Bruce was into like Zatoichi and and like Musashi and you know the, the, he was into this these these less is more effective mm. um, and not these elongated fight scenes. He goes, it's not realistic. Um, and so we had this thing where Jerry was bringing Jerry and Fran were um, his wife were bringing in this is essence of like the Bruce. And then we got this other uh, fight choreographer from Hong Kong, John Chung, who was actually in the film. Um, and he was bringing his idea of choreography. So there was a lot of clashing about. So, wow. you know, in the film, you don't see you want to see kind of a, a an arc of like what Bruce was and what he what he became, how his movement and and um, abilities changed over this you know little 
short span of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was, um, yeah, that was a, a big, I remember the two teams who almost got into fisticuffs with, with, oh, no. <laughs> with like, oh yeah, yeah. In Hong Kong, there were like two sides, you know, we had Jerry Petit's guys, you know, there, you know, kind of doing the, you know, trying to teach them the Bruce thing. And then you had the Hong Kong guys with their own set of concept, you know, and, and it was like, yeah, it was like, yeah. <laughs> into oh, a nice. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, have you kept up um, martial arts and, and obviously fitness? I mean, I was watching your new movie and I was like, the guy is still in the shape he was in 30 years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you still do all the martial arts and stuff? Um, I, I, I dabble in it. Um, I, I teach my daughter. Um, uh, it's when, it's when I get a project that I have a uh, mm. purpose to train, then I, I try, really try to utilize my, my, um, martial arts training mm. to do that. Um, oh, Mulan, you were, you looked really like, you looked big in Mulan. I, I had a, I had an incredible, uh, you know, trainer for that, like a fitness trainer. Just an amazing, I, I, you know, he taught me so many things, but we wasn't uh, martial arts training. It was just strictly you know, kettlebells and, and, mm-hmm. and bear crawls and, you know, just that kind of general fitness. But like he, he brought me, he like, we agreed to get into like 4% body fat. Like, and that was like wow. the best shape. It was like the best shape I've been in since Dragon and actually probably better than Dragon. But, you know, age, it's like, you know, it's different, you know, the, like your body can be strong, but. You know, a lot of times your your joints are just aged a little bit, you know. So there's mm-hmm. there's that. But he definitely brought me to a place where I felt youthful, and um, and that was like I, think it was, uh, I was like 53 or something, and um, so that you know those little like things that not little, but you know that's like good six months of, of work. <laughs> yeah. you know, just you know, a short space of time where you train yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then uh, a lot of suffering. You know, you're walking crooked every day, and. <laughs> And you just pay for it. But, you know, in the end, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I don't be, uh, maybe I'm not as extreme, but I still, you know, like monitor my diet. I still, you know, kind of um, work around my homestead, you know, quite a bit, you know, doing physical labor. Um, so that, you know, helps keep me in shape um, and not, you know, not um, real purposeful um, athleticism, uh, but because because moving quickly is is, you know, like, different it's like you you can pull something if you're not you know at at, when when you're older you have um, a lot more recovery time so you need more recovery time Mm -hmm. and uh, you know i know that i realized that you know it's like i gotta warm up really warm up you know i'll do like an hour of a bicycle in order to warm up just to start doing like kettlebells or or weights or anything like that Mm -hmm. I guess it's just over time you adapt, don't you? And you change with the, with the times and kind of see what your body responds to. Um, yeah. We all, you all have limitations, you know, you, you come into them and then it's like, okay, you know, how do I work with this, work around this? But I do find that um, physically, if I don't work out, I get a lot of aches and pains. Mm. So if I do stay on a regimen, it really helps relieve, you know, all that, that atrophy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you about, because um, I, I mean, I've indulged in all the things that, you know, I, my childhood and asking you all the questions, but I want to ask you about your new movie. I mean, it's a very different film to the others we've talked about so far. The story I need to tell you is true. offer and dedicated to my people the native hawaiian we don't speak that shit speak english boy You are to shoot on sight, regardless of weapon, gender, or age. My aika ino loko ko uvae ka ukikan eleku ana. Yala ko uomaki no kako. Yala ko uomaki kei aina. Koalau knows this land. I wouldn't underestimate it. 
There's the way of the firepower and the numbers. With me, my husband, Ko'olau. With me, my child, Kalei. With me, until the final disappearance. You are the trophy he obsesses, and he will not stop until you are dead. How did this project come about? Was it? It seems like a bit of a maybe something that's close to your heart, a, a smaller project that. Um, I mean, it's very, it's very different from the other movies. It, for the audience that haven't seen it, um, how would you describe this movie? Uh it was, it was a, it's a, it's a tragedy that was, you know, set in in Hawaii in the late eighteen hundreds, and uh, where where Hawaii went through a pandemic uh, of leprosy that spread through a lot of communities. And during this time, it was a real uh, uprising um, and, and conflict because the Hawaiian monarchy, which stood for many generations um, in the Hawaiian islands, um, was di disposed. Um, and American businessmen came in and basically illegally overthrew this country. Um, that was recognized by by many um, other countries, uh, significant independent uh, countries. And um, anyway, there's this there in this story. There's a family that was contracted had contracted leprosy. The father and son had contract contracted leprosy, and um, uh, this new provisional government that came in started changing the laws, and they they started wanting to quarantine all these uh, leprosy uh, people into the island of Molokai, which if you don't know, the Hawaiian islands are, are separated by, by in these immense and, and really rough bodies of water that these really amazing channels. And um, to be isolated on that island means like, is basically a, a death sentence because you're left there. And any um, marriage license or any, you know, deeds or anything were null and void. So you basically abandoned there. In any sense, um, this family decided that this government was not going to separate them and they were going to stick together. And in order to do that, they had to go live in sort of isolation on the island of Kauai, which is their, which was their home. And um, in the process of, of moving, fleeing, there was a interaction where the sheriff was shot by Koolau the my character my main character and um that caused a whole ripple effect and so they had to get out of there quickly and the standing president sanford dole who, who he kind of lost face with this whole um incident and he sent a regiment of soldiers out to go retrieve these uh fugitives and that's where the story sort of, you know, comes into uh, face with uh, they're they're trying to escape or trying to survive with mm. uh, a bounty over their heads, um, and it, it really is the 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 story was was taken from the wife's um, memoirs that when she finally came out of the bush, um, her account was was taken down. And um, and so it's a, a lot of the dialogue in the film that the character of Pete Ilani, the mother and wife, um, was taken directly from this this Hawaiian woman's words. Oh, wow. And uh, and her whole experience with with, you know, trying to find all these multiple shelters to, to avoid capture. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really is it has, it has a lot of universal principles in it that really ring true, you know, to be just basic humanity and, uh, uh, you know, the freedom to, to choose um, 
uh, not to be separated as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing will, nothing will, you know, um, separate that. And so the idea that you make your vows, you know, in front of God, and and no man or government should, you know, be decisive to to divide that. Mm. I mean, it's a very, it's a very well. I said before, a very moving film, and without giving it away to the audience, I haven't seen it. I mean, there's a few moments in it, but there's a particular one near the end with, you know, a particularly horrible piece of work. And the scene was just like, just watching it, I was like, oh, um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I can't really say what it is without giving it away, but, you know, yeah, yeah. he ends up shooting a few people. Um, and it's just, uh, it's uh, I mean, the fact it's based on, on a true story and everything else is, um, yeah, it's a very affecting film, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought, as I said before, it's just a beautiful looking film. Um, and part of that is, I, I presume it was shot on location. Was it in in Hawaii? Yeah, it was on the on the, what they call the Big Island of Hawaii or Hawaii Island. Mm-hmm. And um, um, you know, it 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 came about like I the the film director uh, David Cunningham. I've been uh, an acquaintance of his for many many years, um, and he talked about it for a number of years. I think about maybe eight years or something. And he kept wanting to do it, wanting to do it. And he had other, you know, um, uh, options that he wanted to do as well. But then um, the, I, I read different different versions that John Fusco, the writer, um, put together. And it was like a big budget movie and it became a medium budget movie. And then during the pandemic, David Cunningham really wanted, he says, I think we got to do it now. It's now or never. And um, so they sized it down. They like made it a micro budget and sized it down and like got rid of like all the fluff. And I said, you know what? This feels so direct and so genuine and like no wasted motion. Mm-hmm. I said, this, I said, let's do that. He goes, really, you, are you game? I said, yeah. So we made a film about a pandemic in Hawaii's mm-hmm. history during a pandemic. And everyone was, you know, PPE'd up and like, you know, it was, and, and we all um, converged on this ranch is one um, uh, off-grid um, uh, farm on the north side of the Big Island, and uh, we were basically all the actors were quarantined there. And so once you arrived, you couldn't leave. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people had like little yurts they lived in. We had a little, my family and I had a little bungalow, and um, you know, sleeping on the floor. And you know, the 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 makeup uh, chair was like maybe two minutes walk from where I where I slept. So it was like this weird, like convenience, but a real kind of like sense of like roughing it and, you know, very little money. And, and like I said, the, the place is off grid. So there was like these generators. They had these big windmills that would charge their batteries. And then when when the hair and makeup woke up in the morning and tried to run all the hair dryers, a lot of times it would shut down the system because, you know, the lights and the, the pull of electricity was not what they were used to. And um so it was a real interesting, you know, uh, experience that that my kids won't forget. And, you know, my, you know, we just kind of like, and because it was on our island, you know, it was yeah. like load up, you know, load up the van with all our stuff. And it was like a camping trip, you know, drive, <laughs> you know, drive the two, two, two and a half hour drive up to, to the ranch and like park it. And that's it. We're there. And amazingly, it, it was only shot in 16 days. Oh, wow. with an, with an, yeah with an additional and it doesn't and that's what i love about it It doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel like sm- you know crunched uh it breathes and um you know we had like two additional like uh shooting days which which was like months months down the line so i guess you could say altogether 18 days mm. but um uh for that that's initial wow yeah and um just you know you never and I, you know, here I am uh, working on a TV show um, for Disney Plus called Doogie Kamiloa, and I told the the showrunner what her what her time frame was to shoot this film. She just dropped her draw. She and for what we made it for, because the budget on these TV shows are so much greater, yeah. um, you know, um, than than what we had. That's mad, isn't it? That's so quick though for something like that. I mean, the film as well. It feels. Because it feels quite epic and it feels like it should be like a two and a half hour dances with wolves. Well, that's even longer than that. It's like three and a half hours long. But it feels like it 
but it's actually a really short film. It's like one hour 35, one hour 40. Um, but it goes really quickly as well, but it just feels quite epic in scale when you're watching it. Yeah, and 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 you know, there was scripts, there there were previous uh, um uh scripts that I read that were like really got into more like the 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 structure of like the government at the time and uh, a little more fleshing out of, of, of character and um mm. you know you don't it, it, it's, it's a toss-up yeah you don't know if that's going to be a hindrance or just it's just you know fodder or if it's actually effective to making the emotional through the line mm. so i think that you know that was the decision of john fusco and um and and the director um to, oh man it's it. it's a great film and i wish you all the best with it <laughs> Most embarrassing <laughs> um, <laughs> you've been put on the spot now yeah it's like okay um I, I know there are a lot of incidents where it was rather painful <laughs> and oh, I, you know, it's I a safe space that you can share this this painful painful moment <laughs> Oh, let's see. Okay. Um, I remember uh, when I was filming, filming Dragon, and there's a scene where um, where um, we're doing the the dance, right? The dance with the sailors, and uh, there's a scene where I, I I'm supposed to put my feet up against the sailor's chest and and push off, and then my shirt rips. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, right. And I fall down and I kip up, I kip up. So we're doing that, and um, and these Hong Kong stunt guys, you know, when when we do that, because the shot is is kind of like top to bottom, you know, feet everything, uh, you couldn't have a crash pad or anything. So these Hong Kong guys were supposed to be just off camera, and as I pushed off and went backwards and the shirt ripped, they were supposed to bring that that mat right up under me. So I, I, I hit something soft and um, we did it a number of times and it was perfect. And then I think one of these takes, it was like, they did it and their timing was off or something. And I just hit the, I hit the solid floor. Like it was like concrete or something. And they made a loud boom. And I swear, I thought it broke my back. And I was oh just my like, God. And, well, and then I, I and then I, I, I laid there and I was like, shit, can I move? And then I I got up and then, and I was so angry that later on I said I I was like oh I'm so embarrassed because I just you know when you lose your cool like that in front of like everybody it was just like oh my <laughs> god but I didn't know if I had broken my back or not and like and everybody it's like when that big boom hit you know everybody's like the whole Ooh. gym the whole gym went silent it was like oh shit. Oh my I didn't God. know if they're gonna haul me off in a stretcher or not, but it was one, it was one of those moments, you know. It was just you could like, have ended up in that circular thing with your body all stretched out, like exactly in the movie. right, yeah. <laughs> just like in the film. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what I can remember, I'm sure there's others that uh, you know was just uh, more embarrassing. But oh no, Jason, that was perfect, and um, I'll let you go and enjoy. Is it is it tonight? You've got. Um, did you say you had a, a screening of it tonight? Yeah, we have the the theatrical premiere. Um, uh, tonight uh, last night was the um, Asian American Pacific Islander uh, film festival uh, uh, cool. that we showed at and then um, yeah then we got another screening on Saturday and stuff so awesome we'll well, all the best, yeah, yeah hopefully get some traction get some get some good uh, critics in and then see yeah, what they yeah, say yeah. put out some press yeah I have yeah. no doubt I have no doubt and um, yeah all the very best with it man and this has been a real pleasure so thank you very much Thank you, brother. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Cheers, man. If the life and film motherfuckers subscribe and like and follow. Thank you to our guest, Jason, and thank you to the Original Entertainment and Culture Agency. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, BetterHelp. No one really came close to what he was uh, saying or what he was preaching or what he was developing. There was something incredibly charismatic and vibrant about him. He can be scary. And then very tender and very sincere. I think that's why so many people, male and female, like are so enamored by 
who he was. Universal Pictures and director Rob Cohen bring the saga of martial arts legend Bruce Lee to the big screen in Dragon, The Life of Bruce Lee. I'm trying very hard to be true to the family and to make sure that it's a testament to the man and also to be true to the fans who know the story. Based on the biography by his wife Linda, Dragon follows Bruce from his delinquent youth in Hong Kong to a fresh start in the United States, tracking his rise to fame through the action, romance, and mystery that were a part of his remarkable life. I'm really so pleased that, that someone is finally doing a picture about Bruce and about his life more than just as a martial artist, but how he lived and how he loved in our family life. He could be the most sensitive and tender person, and I think this comes across in his films, but even more so in his life. Actor Jason Scott Lee was chosen for the pivotal role of Bruce Lee. Hi, Mom. Though physically right for the part, Jason had had no training in the martial arts. I felt if you take a martial artist and teach him to act, it won't work. But you could teach an actor the martial arts, and with a little bit of luck, you might get someone who could pull it off. What we got was a lot of luck. As a child, I was a fan of Bruce and had like uh, uh, really enjoyed um, his work and his choreography and his charisma getting involved in Bruce's philosophies and Bruce's beliefs help scare away all the fears that come into actually portraying a legend. Jerry Poteet, who studied with Bruce Lee, was brought in to coach Jason in the gritty style of the master. Bruce was a fighter, I mean, street fighter. He'd get out and he'd get into it, see? So he had that, he wanted that on the screen to be able to say that his fights look real. Bruce strived not only to excel in the martial arts himself, but to share his philosophies with the Western world. There you go, you see. It isn't the size or strength that matters. It's purpose. Lauren Holly plays Linda Emery, the woman who would become Bruce's wife, despite her mother's objections. So let's get down to the real issue. Children. They won't be white, and they won't be oriental. They'll be American. Linda's American. I'm American. You're an American citizen. You're not really an American. One of the biggest problems in Bruce's life was that he had a really hard time being accepted here in America. Being a Chinese man was very difficult. Bruce not only had a big problem being accepted from the Americans, but he also had a problem from his Hong Kong countrymen that were living in America. We do things differently here. One of the things we do not do is teach our secrets to whites, blacks. They are the enemy. They are not the enemy. They just don't know us. We've been so close for so long, they've never seen the real beauty of our culture. Let's show it to them. I think he was unique because he stood in the middle of two fantastically powerful cultures, the Chinese culture and the American culture, so that he was able to single-handedly pull the two cultures together to make both sides understand each other better. For Lee, however, his accomplishments were often overshadowed by a dark force which plagued his life. Three months before Bruce actually passed away, he collapsed at the studio. And he told me later that something was trying to drag him down and away from life. He said it was like fighting a demon. And we all have demons. So one of the first obligations of understanding a character 
is to understand his dark side and what drives him. Bruce was a driven man. I mean, incredibly driven. There's something extra special about Bruce that's more than just his personality. There's a charisma that comes across on the screen. I'm Bruce Lee. I love the story. It's a great story. This place is eating us up. Can't you see that, Bruce? I want to stop breaking my wife's heart. It's never going to be over between you and me. You get it? 